As I shared in the announcements, uh, Chris Book will be bringing our message this morning. When I came in 2005 to this church, I can't speak about before that because I don't know, but when I came in 2005, Marlis was uh, deeply involved in our children's ministry. Chris was chair of our church board, and he was head of the building committee that oversaw the renovation of this whole building. Um, they were servants of the church, a blessing to the church. And then in 2010, Chris and Marlis were called by God to serve in Zambia. We um, hated to see them go and blessed them as they went, uh, thrilled for the matcha community that would be receiving them. Um, currently, Marlis uh, volunteers with the HIV AIDS antiretroviral ministry of Matcha Hospital. And Chris currently serves as the interim director of Matcha Research Trust. Did I get that name right? Matcha Research Trust? Um, which is helping to bring an end to malaria and HIV um, in the Matcha region and hopefully in sub-Saharan Africa. Um, so we're blessed this morning to have uh, Chris sharing God's word with us. Um, blessings on you. Wow. It's great to be here. It's really wonderful to see all of those faces out there. Many familiar faces, a lot of new faces as well. Um, for some weeks, we've, been, we've anticipated being able to join you, our church family. You are our people and uh, for worship. But I have to say, I didn't expect to be up here. I thought, you know, I'd be down there. And, and so this is an honor, although it's, I must say that it's one that almost didn't happen. Um, let's see, it was a week ago on Thursday. I was wrapping up in my office there at Matcha, and I thought I was just trying to clean up everything, my desk, and, and I thought, well, I should just go through some of my inbox, and I checked my spam, and my spam box. And... And, you know, some of the junk that's in there. And then I see this email, Hank Johnson at HBIC. And I thought, seriously, is somebody trying to impersonate Hank? And somehow, and, and then I saw that it, it started out with a, hi, Chris. And, and most of the spam that I get is sort of like, Hello, Christopher, or, or greetings, Dr. Book. They, you know, they think I'm a doctor. I'm not, but they somehow associate. And, and so um, anyway, I cautiously opened, up, opened it up, and here was an email from Hank asking whether I'd be able to preach today. And, and so then I was struggling with, okay, how do I say no? Um, <laughs> I, to be honest, I'm, I'm tired. I just... I, We've been back a week and, you know, trying to, to, to recover and all of that. And, but that night, as I was laying in bed, as God often does, spoke to my heart and really gave me a piece about it and began to sort of work in my spirit of some of the things that I believed that he would have me share today. So here we are. And it really is good to be home. Uh, we always look forward to the few weeks when we're actually in Harrisburg over a Sunday. And today is the first one for us. We hope there will be a few more. 
And, and you know, we look around this sanctuary and just filled with awe at, at you, God's people, and what, what, you know, the way he is working through you here in the Harrisburg area. But, all, I mean, also this facility, I, I don't know. I was, I, as, as we, you know, received the report, I, I had to think back to when we signed for the loan to purchase this place and do this renovation. And some of you that were there as a part of that, I mean, it was like with intrepidation and fear. I mean, we just didn't know how we were going to ever pay for it. $20,000. just It's unbelievable. So, yeah, we just thank God for that. Let's pray together. God, you are the one who is in control here today. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable, bring honor and glory to you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, today I'd like to draw on some of our experiences in Zambia and share a few things about what we are trying to learn. Sometimes our learning curve is pretty steep about how God reveals himself and how he speaks to us and through us, really how he uses us, not just us, but all of God's people everywhere. It certainly applies. And I've titled these few thoughts that I'd like to share today, where? Okay. Now, I understand you're probably wondering, where is this going? So let me illustrate it with a story. Every good missionary has to tell, and at least African missionary needs to tell an African animal story. So here it comes. Um, last Christmas, we decided that we wanted to take some of our dear Zambian friends to Livingston so that they could see the Victoria Falls and some of the wonderful African animals that you all, I'm sure, are well aware of. So we invited Bina Charity. Now, Bina is not her name. That means mother of. So she's the mother of Charity. We invited Bina Charity and her two daughters. One's a teen. The other one's just a preteen. And then we invited Bina. Um, yeah, Bina Beauty. It was, it was Skip my mind for a minute. Bina Beauty and her grandson. And um, so they were thrilled. We, we learned that none of them had ever seen any of the large African animals. And that's hard for us to believe, especially those of us who have been there, you know, and gone on multiple safaris and just have lots of stories to tell. Bina Beauty was the only one who had ever seen Victoria Falls. Three hours from Macha, can you imagine? It's one of the seven natural wonders of the world. And yet so many people had never seen it. So um, 
we arrived, and on Saturday, we took a drive. There's a local national park there, and so we took a drive through the national park, and if you could cue, I have a few pictures, so you have to have pictures of African animals. So we do, took a drive through the national park and saw some giraffe, and we saw um, from the front and the back, and, <laughs> and then we actually had an opportunity to take a walking safari to see the, the white rhino, White rhinos in this national park are under 24-hour armed guard because of poaching. So we had some of the armed guards take us and we walked through. So we were able, so this is uh, um, Gracewell and her sister Chimunya and their mother. And with the rhinos just, I don't know where they were, like 20 yards away. But we were safe. It was wonderful. But we didn't see any elephants. And I could tell that being a beauty was disappointed that we hadn't seen any elephants. And so on Sunday we woke up and went to one of the local BIC churches there in, uh, in Livingston, and then in the afternoon we drove down to the falls. And I knew that as we were, that the road between Livingston, the town, and Victoria Falls, which is about five, six miles, elephants can often be seen. And I really wanted Being a Beauty to be able to see an elephant. So I kept my eyes peeled, and as we were driving along, all of a sudden, I saw an elephant, and I said, elephants. And being a beauty immediately said, where? <laughs> now you see where this is going. My enthusiastic and credible exclamation of the word elephant sighting brought an immediate and excited response in the form of a question, and it demanded a reply. And all I needed to do then was to point to the elephant. It's, it's hard to miss an elephant, isn't it? And, and so, so she was able to see that elephant. One more quick animal story, because, well, you just have to tell more than one story. So this took place actually when Pastor Linda and, and her friend Beth were in, visited us in 2016, and we were doing a safari drive through uh, the Chobe Park in, in Botswana. Now, I for, a, for years have had a bucket list sighting of being the first to be able to spot a leopard in a tree. They are elusive, they are shy, they are nocturnal, and amazingly camouflaged. So, but I, I've learned to sort of look up into the trees, thinking that eventually, someday, that I, would, I would have that opportunity. So we were driving along in, in a guided safari, and um, you can bring up the next picture. And about 150 yards away in this tree, I spotted something that I thought was looked a little out of place, and I said something like, leopard, I think. I wasn't sure, but immediately the safari driver stopped, he backed up, we both grabbed our binoculars, and I don't know if you can see it or not, but anyway, it's sort of right in the middle of the picture, just sort of look for some little spots, it's kind of hard to see from there, but it is a leopard, and, and what a sighting. So in that particular case, I said leopard, he didn't say where, he just, but he slammed on the brakes, he backed up, and we all had an opportunity to see this majestic animal. 
So I'm sure that we can all think of similar experiences that we've had, which leads me to ponder the question, what would be the response? If I was some friend, with some friends or strangers someday, would be walking along and all of a sudden I would exclaim, Jesus! Well, if you're, if, if you're with a bunch of strangers, they, they wouldn't think anything of it, would they? They would just thought, well, this guy's just swearing. If I was with some friends, they may sort of look at me sideways and think, or they probably wouldn't say anything, but they would think, is he okay? You know, is there a problem? Why is that? Do we not believe that Jesus shows himself? Are we really so skeptical or afraid that we may be wrong or be disappointed? Maybe it's, dis maybe it's embarrassing. Or just maybe we as Christians would not recognize Jesus if he did show up. In the same way that I could not have exclaimed, elephant, when we were in that car last December, if I didn't know what an elephant actually looked like, we cannot declare the name of Jesus if we are not familiar with what Jesus looks like and how he reveals himself to us. Or maybe worst of all, we are distracted, we are so distracted that we wouldn't even see him if he did appear. Now, I'm not a theologian or a pastor, but I'd like to offer just a few layman's observations and thoughts on how we recognize Jesus in everyday life, and also a few cautions against the distractions that limit our eyesight and the possibility of a Jesus sighting. So let's turn quickly to John chapter 1, verse 35 to 46. And I'm just going to read them sort of a couple of verses at a time with just a, a, a few comments. So verse 35 to 39 says, The next day John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and said, What do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying and spent that day with him. It was about the ninth hour, the tenth hour. So here John the Baptist was speaking about Jesus when the man himself walked by. And John said, look, the Lamb of God. Essentially, he said, Jesus The exclamation elicited curiosity in two of his disciples. These are John's disciples, and they began to follow Jesus. He noticed them, and he asked, Jesus noticed them, and asked, what do you want? So they asked him where he was staying, to which he replied, come, and you will see. Jesus sighting, curiosity, the response. You see where this is going? The Jesus sighting always points to Jesus. 
So let's go to the, the next verses, um, verse 40, 40 to 42. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Lord, or we have found the Messiah, that is, the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John. You will be called Caiaphas, or Cephas, sorry, which when translated is Peter. Andrew saw in that little exchange that began with John's exclamation to convince him that Jesus was the Christ and motivated him to find his brother, Peter, and bring him to Jesus. Let's go on, verse 43. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said, follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth, can anything good come out of there, come from there, Nathanael asked? Come and see, said Philip. And when Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said of him, here is a true Israelite in whom there is nothing false. Okay, so like with the animal sightings, in these instances, there is a clear progression that begins with an introduction or a statement that causes curiosity or questions and results in a wonderful revelation. Being a beauty, saw the elephant, well, I exclaimed, she said, where? And she saw the elephant. And the same thing happened. In this particular case, the sighting was Jesus and not an elephant. The two disciples were told by John that the man they saw was Jesus. Their response was to follow Jesus and ask where he was staying. Come and see, Jesus said. Something happened that afternoon in Jesus' presence that changed their lives. So much so that Andrew then went to find his brother Simon Peter, told him what he had seen, and brought him to Jesus. Philip found Nathanael, told him about Jesus. And when Nathanael doubted, he told Nathanael to come and see. In each instance, Jesus became the focus, the answer to their question the revelation of truth that they had been seeking their entire lives. These guys didn't know what they had been looking for. But when they found it, they knew that they had found it. When being a beauty heard that I had seen an elephant, she believed my word and asked where. I didn't need to say, come and see. But I did need to point it out. In her case, she has now seen an elephant up close. That sighting was exciting, was thrilling for her. But you know, I doubt that it really changed her life all that much. 
In the disciples' case, their Jesus sighting changed their lives and literally changed the world. And yet, many of us, myself included, would probably find it much easier to point out an elephant or a leopard than to recognize a Jesus sighting and declare it. Why? I'd like briefly to share three reasons. First one, I think that we are literally distracted and not watching, not expecting to encounter Jesus in the routine of our lives. I believe that the enemy has infiltrated our culture and even technology to such an extent that we often miss seeing Jesus or we don't recognize him because we are so easily distracted. Take nature, for example. Jesus reveals himself through the beauty of a sunset, a bird in flight, where in Zambia we have these, these um, ants that sort of fall in this, this convoy. I mean, it's, it's like a, a long line of ants, and who knows where they're going, or a swarm of bees that, to, that have to get from point A to point B. The psalmist declared in Psalm 121, I will lift up my eyes to the hills. He goes on to declare that those hills are where our help comes from. I wonder how much more we would see of God, of what God is doing in our world, and where he is at work if we would lift our eyes and maybe put our phones down or shut off the TV for a little bit. A couple of weeks ago, we were in a restaurant in Livingston, and, and the table right next to us, there were four guys sitting there, Every one of them had their face buried in their device. It was complete silence at that table. I don't know what they intended to do when they, other than to eat, but how many opportunities do we give up, we give up because we're so distracted by technology and we miss the opportunities to lift our eyes and see the beauty of a sunset. When our kids were little, Sometimes we would be on a drive, and, and I would say to them, you see that sunset? Jesus made that sunset just for you because he loves you. That was before kids had an opportunity or they had an opportunity to bury their face in the divide. But they had to look up and look out in order to be pointed to Jesus. I wonder how many needy people or situations God would reveal to us if we would just be still and spend time intentionally sitting in silence, asking God to speak into our spirit. We need to guard, folks, friends. We need to guard against the insidious distractions that hinder our sight of what Jesus is doing. Or as Henry Blackaby says in his Seven Steps to Knowing, Doing, and Experiencing the Will of God, if you want to see God's activity Cut back on the distractions. Number two, we're fearful that our exclamation of a Jesus sighting may be wrong, so we remain silent. Or we are afraid that people we will think we're strange if we exclaim, Jesus. I am too often guilty of remaining silent. 
Now, I'm not suggesting that we should literally go around shouting, Jesus, Jesus, you know, all the time. That probably would, not, would be counterproductive. But I do believe that we may often miss an opportunity to give God the glory or to point someone to Jesus because we either don't recognize the opportunity or we are intimidated to allow and allow the enemy to close our mouths. Sometimes God would have us speak directly into a friend's life, but it requires boldness built on a relationship of trust and integrity. I wanted to tell a story of a, a situation that we had at Macha a few weeks ago, and I'll just summarize it because I want to be sensitive to time. Um, we have dear friends, Corey and Eric, are missionaries from the Dillsburg area. No, they're from Souderton area. Um, anyway, they're from this area. And, um, and they have a very close friend who was entrapped again in his life. Dear Christian man, but entrapped by alcoholism. And, and about a month ago, nearly died because he was drinking while intoxicated. And then he knew, so he had an accident. And they brought him to the Macha Hospital. He had some so-called friends who tried to hide the evidence so that nobody would find out. And then he managed to weave this story that he had fallen asleep at the wheel. And most people believed it unless they knew the truth. So Eric and Corey came to us and asked. They were just seeking some counsel and somebody to pray with them as, before they went to speak with their friend and confront the evidence that they had found. They were convinced after looking into it that their friend was not telling the truth and was spinning a lie. And in that particular case, it became, it became very clear to us that as serious as his drinking problem was, the real issue was the deception and the lies. And that's what they began to focus on. And as they began to confront him, they said that bit by bit, he began to admit the truth. And he eventually said to them, I'm telling you things here now and this, because his wife was sitting right there. I'm telling you things that she doesn't even know. And the truth won out over the lies because Eric and Corey were willing recognized the power of Jesus Christ and were willing to open their mouths and take a very difficult step to confront their friend. And the enemy was defeated that day. There was a declaration of Jesus. It elicited some very, some in a, in a very difficult conversation what needed to happen, and Jesus, they, they pointed, as they pointed him to Jesus, truth began to win out. And, and you know, the, the beautiful thing in all of this is as he continues his journey towards healing and reconciliation, because there's a lot of that needs to happen, is we, we were talking with Eric about this as he took us as we were leaving last Friday to start a trip home. And he took us into Choma and, and we acknowledged that what Macha needs is a Christian 
who is willing to speak the truth about the disease of alcoholism is essentially what it is, because there are no 12-step pro pro programs that we know of in that area. And, and, and there's, alcoholism is, is a big problem in our area. There are bars all around Matcha, and that's where guys go, or and women too. So for Eric and Corey, keeping silent would have been much easier than confronting the lies and deception. But their refusal to allow the enemy to close their mouths and minds is opening the door to reconciliation and truth. Finally, and very quickly, we fail to recognize the voice of Jesus when he says, come and see. It's a simple invitation that Jesus gives us. This is also the invitation that Jesus prompts us to extend to those he brings into our lives. A man by the name of Derek Melanson says this. It's like he's saying, come and see for yourselves. Learn about who I am and what I am, what I am like by being with me. The two disciples remained with him that day. This is something everyone is invited to do. Remain with Jesus. Sit in his presence. This come and see invitation is echoed when Philip goes and gets Nathaniel. He says, come and see to Nathaniel when he expresses his doubts about where Jesus is from. Just like Jesus said to Andrew and the other disciple, Philip says to Nathaniel, come and see for yourself. Meet him yourself and decide. Psalm 66, 5 says, come and see what God has done, his awesome deeds for mankind. What an invitation this is for us today. Not just for us personally, but also for the people God brings into our lives. You know, <clears throat> I wish you could have heard the excitement and longing in Bina Beauty's voice when she was given the opportunity to see the elephant for the first time in her 60 years. She didn't say, where? It was, where? It was an expectant exclamation or question. There was in her a longing built over her lifetime, and she's close to our age, to see one of the majestic animals, and she wasn't disappointed. Ecclesiastes 3.11 says, he has made everything beautiful in his time. He has also set eternity in the human heart, yet no one can fathom what God has done from the beginning to the end. From the beginning of time, God has placed that longing in each of our hearts and in each heart out there, men, women, boys, and girls, everybody in Harrisburg, everybody around the world in Zambia or the U.S. or elsewhere. That longing to be reconciled with our Lord Jesus and our Savior. He calls us to watch for those times when he is revealing himself through nature, through a song, a life experience, to point out to others what God is doing, or to take them by the hand and say, come and see, or come and I will show you. Friends, the news we have received and can now proclaim about Jesus Christ will never disappoint. Rather, it will be the answer to that deep longing God has placed in each heart. 
it will bring them home. All we need to do is recognize where he is moving, then point to Jesus. All God asks of us is to say, come and see, and he will do the rest. Let's pray together. Our God, what an invitation. What a glorious opportunity we have. The gift of salvation that you have given to us freely. The opportunity that you have given us and you have said that we, your people, are your vessels, your arms and your hands and your voice to speak the name of Jesus, to proclaim life and liberty to the captive heart and mind. That you want to free people from the scourge of alcoholism and drug addiction and every other vice in this world. We pray, God, that you will lift our eyes, that we will see you at work, that you will help us to guard against distractions, that your name will be glorified because your promises are faithful and true. We give you thanks this day. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Chris. Uh, We'll be joining in our closing song together. Uh, the intercess- intercessors and pastors will be at the front. If there's anything that you'd like us uh, to pray with you about, please uh, come during the song. People are happy to join you in prayer. Um, let's stand together as we worship. Mm-hmm.